Bitcoin, crypto bubbles, passive indexation. There's a lot of financial jargon out there. Old Mutual can help you make sense of it all and give you great advice to make the right decisions. If you've got a question or want to know how to get the most out of your money, call them on 0860 60 60 60 or speak to an Old Mutual financial advisor or your broker. Today's the day. Get great financial advice so you can do great things. Old Mutual is a licensed financial services provider. You're listening to a podcast from 702 and Cape Talk. The Money Show with Bruce Whitfield. The Money Show brought to you by Old Mutual, a licensed financial services provider. Today's the day. Get great financial advice. Do great things. Well, it's been a great week for the RAND as the dollars retreated on a softening expectation for U.S. inflation. This is our risk of inflation rises and it's partly due to oil, partly due to the RAND. The latest predictions are for a 70 cents a litre petrol price increase next month. From sixth biggest firm on the JSE to nearly zero in less than a year, does Steinoff have a single redeeming feature? We'll ask that question tonight. More and more of you complaining about your bank. Are they getting better in dealing with your issues? We'll talk to the Ombud for Banking Services this evening on The Money Show. We'll bring you some of the best bits that we've featured on this week's shows and encourage you to listen to our podcasts, which are available each and every single day. Plus, we'll play the Brutal Biz Quiz. What is there not to like on this evening's Money Show? Don't answer that question. All of that coming up on the Money Show in the next hour. But first, your latest eyewitness news at 6. Good evening. I'm Masako Rathlaka. Union and unions involved in the bus strike have announced that the stay-away has not ended as one issue is still outstanding. Numsa says while an agreeable offer is now on the table, back pay for workers from the 1st of April has not been agreed on. This is the 17th day of the strike. Katleo Sokoto was at the briefing in Kempton Park. Unions say there is an offer of 9% for the first year, 8% for the second year, and all other issues such as the night shift allowance, dual driver and insourcing are still being dealt with by a task team. NUMSA General Secretary Ivan Jim says the main difficulty now is the paying of workers for the month of April. We have communicated with employers to say, can they come to the party and basically come up with an agreement with us on the back pay for workers? Jim says plans are in place to meet with employers this weekend. And in our view, this attitude that has been endorsed by employers is provocative and, to be honest, completely not sensitive to our communities that are affected. Unions say it's about employers coming to the table in good faith. Jim says it would be to the detriment of their own companies should employers decide to revert to previous offers. Katleo Sohoto, Eyewitness News, Kempton Park. The Western Cape High Court has ordered the IEC not to fill Patricia DeLille's vacant seat in the city of Cape Town Council pending a court case. Judgment has been reserved in the urgent matter between DeLille and the DA, the municipality and the IEC. DeLille's lawyers have argued there will be no difference in restoring her as mayor and DA member while the matter is pending, while the DA disagrees, saying the party will be more adversely affected. Monique Mortlock has more. Judge Patrick Gamble says he cannot yet give a date for when judgment in the urgent matter between Patricia DeLille and the DA will be delivered. Gamble has ordered the IEC not to fill DeLille's vacant seat in council. This means the city cannot appoint a permanent mayor at this time. Acting Mayor Ian Nielsen, who said he'll only appoint a mayoral committee when this case has been finalized, will also not be able to appoint an interim mayor. DeLille says she still sees herself as mayor. 
to me it became very clear that the whole Eusebius Matthijsen thing was just used as another way of trying to, to get rid of me. And in my version, I feel that I'm still the mayor of the city of Cape Town. A full bench will review Delil's application, which deals with the constitutionality of the DA's constitution on the 25th of May. Monique Motlak, Eyewitness News, Cape Town. The survivor of an attack at the Imam Hussein Mosque in Verulam says he doesn't consider himself lucky to be alive because martyrdom is the ultimate victory in Islam. Yesterday, 34-year-old Abbas Esop was killed after his throat was slit by unknown men. The suspects also stabbed Muhammad Ali, who is this afternoon undergoing surgery for bowel evasion. Imam Ali Nchunyani, who was the last to be attacked, managed to fight back and sustain stab wounds in the face and chest. Ziandan Noble reports. I think I'm unlucky that I survived. Martyrdom is a, is a fortune, is a, is a great victory in Islam. This is Imam Ali Nchunyani, who says Abbas Esop should be remembered as a hero. Uh, these people, uh, well, they were not robbers. They were not intending on... Uh, They did not want phones, they did not want laptops, they did not want money, they did not want clothes, they did not want... They strictly wanted to kill us. That's what they wanted to do. says this was purely an act of terrorism. One of the suspects told me this. This is what he said, and I quote, I will kill you. Right? That's what what he said. He was going to kill me. If I did not fight back, I would have been dead. Esop, who succumbed to his injuries yesterday, will be buried this afternoon. Zia Ngobo, Eyewitness News, Verulam. The South African National Taxi Council says it will not tolerate any form of violence in the taxi industry after a spate of attacks in Cape Town. About nine people were attacked at various taxi ranks over the past few weeks. The council says it's concerned about the violence, which could affect innocent commuters. Uh, Kayleen Palm takes a look at the incidents. This morning, two taxi drivers were shot dead in Delft. On Wednesday, a 21-year-old man was shot and killed at the Enovo Park taxi rank. Two weeks ago, three people were killed at the Delft taxi rank and three others were wounded. At the same time, another taxi driver was killed in Mitchell's Plain. Three weeks ago, a taxi driver was shot dead in Hout Bay and the following day, a Cryfontein taxi driver was rushed to hospital after he was shot and wounded at the Balvo taxi rank. Sentaku's Deputy Chairperson, Nazim Abdurrahim. There's any issues with regards to routes or whatever pertinent issues there are. People should use the table to talk about issues. They should not go to the streets. This is not the South African National Defence Force. This is not the World War Three where people can just go to the hip. Abdurrahim says they take the matter seriously and adds that anyone who wants to use violence in the industry must be booted out and stripped of the license. Kaylin Palm, Eyewitness News. And the UN Children Fund says 400,000 children in the DRC are starving to death. It's asking for $88 million immediately for emergency in viol- and aid violence in Torn Kasai province, half of which will be spent on children, on child nutrition. Jean-Jacques Cornish reports. UNICEF says 770,000 children in Kasai province are malnourished. And 400,000 of them are at risk of death from hunger. Violence in the province has forced more than a million people from their homes and displaced four and a half million more. The Congolese government disputes these figures. It boycotted a donor conference in Geneva last month that raised only a fraction of its $1,7 billion target. UNICEF says people are risking returning home, making it easier to access those in need of food, health care, safe drinking water and education. Jean-Jacques Cornish, Eyewitness News. 
Gold's trading at $1,321.79 an ounce. The rand's at 12.27 to the dollar, 16.62 to the pound, and 14.67 to the euro. Brent crude oil is at $77.28 a barrel. And in your sport, all 16 APSA Premiership teams will be playing their final round of league games tomorrow as the campaign comes to an end. And Kevin Anderson has booked his place in the Madrid Open semi-finals thanks to victory over Dusan Lajovic. A fine Saturday in store for Gauteng. Johannesburg dropping to an overnight low of 9 degrees, peaking at 23. Pretoria 12 and 24, Vereniging 7 and 23. Cape Town will be cloudy with morning fog and a light northerly wind, a low of 13 and a high of 19 degrees. The top story in Eyewitness News this hour, unions involved in the bus strike have announced that the stay away has not ended as one issue is still outstanding. Eyewitness News. In touch, in tune, and independent. For the latest, visit ewn.co.za. Choose to make a positive impact. Lead SA. This EWN traffic brought to you by BMW. Visit bmwselect.co.za to find out more. EWN Traffic. Traffic still slow moving on Nelson Mandela Boulevard from Newmarket to Jan Smuts Drive will take you about 25 minutes. 10 minutes on Philip Hosanna Drive to Hospital Bend. And if you're on the M5 heading towards Musenberg, there's still a delay between the N1 and Crumbum Road of about 20 minutes. And in the CBD at Strand and Rose, officials are busy with an oil spill. The roadway is still closed. And on Okamps of Ech, there's still that truck that's broken down in the di- direction of Nurtuk. So please be careful if you are traveling in the area. And in Danoon, traffic lights still faulty at Portsdam Road and Malibongwe Drive and they're busy with roadworks on the N1 incoming between Old Oak and Durban Road and the right lanes closed. Shalindaru EWN Traffic. EWN Traffic. Sheer driving pleasure. Some have only dreamt about it. Now you can experience it with this outstanding offer from BMW. Get 7% below prime with no deposit on selected 3 Series models at selected dealerships. Go to bmwselect.co.za for more. BMW Select offer from BMW Financial Services, an authorized financial services and registered credit provider. Initiation and service fee will be applicable. Linked to current prime rate. Valid until 30 June 2018. Subject to availability. T's and C's apply. The Money Show with Bruce Whitfield on Cape Talk, your number one news and talk station. The Money Show brought to you by Old Mutual. The Money Show is brought to you by Old Mutual. Each and every single workday, of course, Old Mutual do great things. Welcome to The Money Show on this Friday night. And uh, I'm looking forward to taking you all about the banking ombud and the number of complaints that you've been making to the banking ombud and they've gone up quite sharply. Is it because you're more aware of the work of the banking ombud or is it that banks are really upsetting you more than ever? Let's talk about that in just a second. I saw this great video posted by The Economist today online about Titanic tourism. And I thought to myself, that's simply grotesque. Why would anybody want to pay money to get into a submarine to go 4,000 meters down to the depths of the ocean for this gawking at the wreck of the Titanic more than 100 years after it sank? 
And I kind of figure, well, tourists go to Ground Zero and they go to all kinds of places where monumentally horrific things have happened. So maybe Titanic tourism is actually quite an interesting thing. You just need $100,000 for one of the 54 seats at a time that are available on these submarines, these special submersibles. I mean, these are specialized vehicles. Um, it's, it's miles away from anywhere, of course. So you've got to get to the site. You've then got to get into this, uh, into this vehicle and be taken down. $100,000 a time. What's interesting is that there have been more people in space than people who have physically seen the Titanic since it sank in 1912. Welcome to The Money Show this evening. Great week for the RAND. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about why the dollar is on the retreat. We'll talk about the risk uh, to inflation. We'll talk about Steinoff. And Steinoff came out with an announcement yesterday which has pushed down the value of the share yet once again. And you wonder whether or not there is a single redeeming feature left in Steinoff. We'll talk about that. We'll play the Brutal Biz Quiz and we'll bring you some of the best bits of The Money Show all coming up in the next hour. Cape Talk, The Money Show. Call Bruce on 021-446-0567. The Money Show is brought to you by Old Mutual, a licensed financial services provider. Today's the day. Get great financial advice. Do great things. Have you ever been irritated with your bank? Of course you have. Uh, Angry enough to demand to see a manager, to be that person who's going, oh, I'm not... I can't take this anymore. I want to see the manager. Yeah, you probably have. Furious enough to like look at the manager and say, there is nothing you can do for me, manager. I want to see the internal ombud of this bank. And then you see the internal ombud of the bank and just they just don't get your rage and fury or your, your calm introspection about the failure of service or the fact that money has disappeared out of your bank account. So you take your complaint to the ombudsman for banking services. Well, more of you did that last year than in any previous year. In fact, last year, complaints were up by more than 30%. That's a big increase. The new banking ombud, or the ombudsman for banking services, is Rihanna Stain. 7,056 formal cases opened last year. Does that reflect the total number of complaints you receive? Or do you get a whole bunch of complaints, you filter out the rubbish, and then only pursue what looks genuine? How does it work, Rihanna? Good evening, Bruce. Um Yes, so, so no, we do receive more than that. So I think amongst the calls, you could see also our call numbers, uh, you know, more than 20,000. There are a lot of complaints in there. Uh, so we do filter. Um, some people who contact our office with a, a valid complaint haven't been to the bank. They haven't even, you know, sort of lodged the complaint with the bank first. So then we'll assist them to do that. It's only this, this 7,000 are only the complaints that have been to the bank, that are validly for our office, and that's logged on our system as a valid complaint that we're now going to look at and investigate. As an ombud, if I'm going to come to you and have a good old complaint, um, you need some compelling evidence, surely. I mean, it's not as simple as me phoning up your call center and saying, I don't like my bank, they're mean to me, uh, please investigate. I mean, there's, a, there's a probably quite a, big and complicated, quite a big and complicated process. Yes. Um, so we don't, you know, sort of, we're not too demanding about consumers giving us bank statements and all the documents. Because remember, we're talking about a bank transaction here that's in dispute. So the bank will have the documents. They will have the system notes. Um, we need to get the gist of what's, what's the problem. And we need to make sure that you have at least lodged that complaint with the bank. And I think that filters out also a lot of the, you know, sort of the smaller, I think, service-related issues. 
you know, like maybe they were rude to me or didn't assist me in time. Um, those matters, I, I don't think we see that. Um, we see the, the matters that have been to a banking dispute resolution department were not resolved, and now the consumer comes back and says, now I really want the ombudsman to look at this matter. Um, but then we'll, we'll ask the bank for the documents, and we will get that from them. Are people getting better at complaining? In other words, defining what is really a complaint rather than a whinge? Um, I think people are better at complaining because they uh, they are quicker to complain and they don't just take no for an answer. We see that even with our office. Um, you know, they don't just accept what our adjudicators tell them. Uh, I think the whinging still happens, probably thousands of that, um, but at the bank. So I don't think we see that. Are complaints by their nature, I mean, banking is an infinitely complicated process, are, 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 are the complaints more complex or the issues with which you're having to grapple out of those 7,056 formal cases that you opened getting more complex? I think so. I think, um, you know, every year as, as the technology evolves, um, as the scams and the fraudsters evolve with the technology, the, the cases are getting more complicated. Um, and some of them take maybe longer to resolve because we, we need to get go all over the show for information. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the short answer is I think it is getting more complicated in this world of banking. And more and more of us are banking online and more and more of us are using mobile devices. And, boy, if you've ever had fat fingers, <laughs> a mobile device is a bad place to have it because you do transactions so much more quickly and half, half asleep or whatever the case is, and you're prone to make mistakes yourself. Uh, the proportion of those complaints are rising, and that's hardly surprising. Yes, I think more, more consumers are making use of, of online banking. Um, so, uh, you know, I think the more consumers are using this product, um, also the, the, the scammers are, are more active. I think they are actively targeting our consumers online, whether it's with phishing or with cell phone banking. And because they are targeting this market now, um, that's why we see more complaints. Are we seeing consumers becoming a bit smarter in the way in which they deal with their banks? So, I mean, in previous years, you get an email and you just reply to it. Oh, you want my PIN number, my ID number and a sample of my DNA? Sure, you can have it. Um, I think we've wised up a little bit, but are we still doing stupid things? I think so, unfortunately. Um, in the matters where we found against the consumers uh, in the Internet banking space, even credit card fraud, Consumers are handing over the information um, on the credit card matters. They, they hand over the information telephonically to a fraudster who they just, you know, willingly believe is a, a bank employee phoning them for all their details. Uh, even the, you know, the code that's sent to their phone for the actual transaction. Some consumers are still struggling. Maybe they're the newcomers into this market of online banking. As you say, you and I, we may be more educated, but we still have a lot of work to do to make sure that everybody who uses this new service of online banking knows what we do. How many out of the 7,056 formal cases that were opened, how many went in favor of customers versus going in favor of the bank? That figure, 27% in favor of customers. So the, the figures, clearly they're skewed in favor of the banks. And I'd like to just explain that. That's a very do, important thing to explain because yes. immediately people say, hold on it a second, like, oh, your ombud is, the ombud is paid the by the banks. Oh, my goodness me, you can't trust no. the ombud. 
Yes. Um, so that's that's definitely plays absolutely no role. Um, I think the the answer is simply that, as I've said before, every single complaint has to go to the bank, and also to a special dispute resolution department, not just the teller there in front. Um, before I can accept it, we make sure that it's gone to the head office dispute department to try and resolve that matter. And there, 80, 90% of the cases that are capable of resolution will be solved. So there, if the bank obviously made a mistake, if they're in the wrong and it is clear as daylight, they will settle that matter. The ones where they dig in their heels because they feel they're correct on the law or the facts, or they, they really suspect the consumer of some, some in, unlawful behavior, they will not settle. Those are the matters that we receive. And right. that is why I believe that the matters that we receive are mostly uh, in favor of the banks. Rihanna Stain, thank you. The Ombud for Banking Services. The Money Show with Bruce Whitfield. Well, Philip Clayton joins us now, Director at International House in Johannesburg. You're a training institute, Philip. You, you teach English, amongst other things, at International House. And you're having trouble getting your students in Ghana, particularly, to get the right sort of visas to come and study with you. What's going wrong? It's actually in Dakar in Senegal, uh, Bruce. I beg your pardon, Philip, sorry. Uh, no problem. Um, the problem is we teach English. And the government has said, if you want to study for a short period of time, a visitor's visa is acceptable. If you want to study for a very long period of time, you need a study visa that has separate regulation. We had a problem with an official in Dakar, and she said, no, they need to get study visas. We went to court. We won. The director general, in fact, wanted to get costs awarded against us because we could get visitors' visas. Yet this lady is still insisting we need to be registered with the Department of Higher Education. This is simply not correct. She is misapplying the law. She is ignoring the court order. And we are stuck with the potential of losing a 10 million rand contract purely because of the obstinacy of this official in Dakar. Uh, have you tried to, to go to Home Affairs? Um, have you tried at Malusi Gigaba on Twitter? I mean, what avenues have you tried to try and get some sense? I mean, if there's a court order, there's a very clear direction from the Department of Home Affairs that an official is simply ignoring, you've got a great case. I have explained to the official who this uh, a person in Dakar consulted, I have said that what you, the, she gave advice to the woman in Dakar. And I said, the advice you've given is contrary to your director general. She said, that is my opinion. I said, no, that's a statement of facts. <laughs> and she just simply <laughs> ignores it. Now, the problem is this has been going on for two, three months. The officials don't respond to emails. They don't respond to cell phone calls. They simply just ignore and they are ignoring a court order obtained in April 2016 in Cape Town where they are obliged to take the Director General's affidavit into account. They're simply ignoring it. So, uh, so we don't... This is a 10... I mean, have you, have you lost 10 million rands worth of business? Are you at risk of losing 10 million rands worth of business? What's your financial we, position? We are indeed at risk of losing 10 million rands worth of business. That means 20 people could lose their jobs. Um... This is an industry that in tiny Malta 
is worth about 10 billion rand. South Africa is losing a major trick here. English teaching is a major industry throughout the world. South Africa is not getting its rightful uh, amount. It's because of poorly framed regulations. But more importantly, the fact is the officials are simply not implementing even those poorly regulated regulations. Uh, so are you having, I mean, you've got a problem with Dakar and Senegal. Are other home, off, home affairs um, centers in other parts of Africa behaving in terms of the Director General's instruction? There's just this one office that is not. It, it, yes, and I've pointed this out to the person. I said, you are the only, <laughs> only embassy not issuing this visa. Everybody else, we've got 30 of 33 students to us from the same organization that's a multinational organization in fact this could create a diplomatic incident um before before you declare world war three and go donald trump on home affairs thank you philip clayton director at international house in joburg what a catastrophe i mean he has as an obstinate official who's just ignoring all instructions please can we get home affairs on i mean we can't do it today i don't think there's time but um let's approach home affairs on monday and please uh, the director general are and just say to him dude you really, you had a discipline issue here. It's completely odd. Philip Clayton, thanks for the call. The Money Show. The Markets. Andrew Bryson is a portfolio manager at Sundown Private Wealth, and it's actually been quite a good week. The all-share index is up on the week. The currency is substantially stronger on the week, too. Yes, Bruce, it has been a, a much better week. Uh, I think resources uh, coming through and, and, and NASPAS, um, as, uh, you know, there's some bargain hunting coming into that stock, uh, having a much better week. And NASPAS is so interesting. I mean, uh, multi-choice is busy fighting with everybody and saying 100,000 premium subscribers have left D- DSTV over the last financial year and he's blaming streaming and Netflix and, and data providers. I mean, he has the cutting edge of technology in South Africa fighting against the cutting edge of technology. But let's not argue about that. Their big news this week um, was all about selling Flipkart in India and getting some fresh capital uh, and talking about how they're going to apply that money. Yeah, and, and, and I think um, you know investors have certainly taken it to heart. It's been a, a positive move from, from management that they're willing to, to sell off uh, uh, these, these non-core assets in the rump uh, uh, if they are able to, to get the, uh, you know, a, a decent price for them. Um, I think that 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 deal uh, with Walmart in, in India, um, you know, they, they've done very very well out of their Flipkart investment. Um, yeah, they did very very nicely out of Flipkart, and today Flipkart, and today uh, we saw Imperial up five percent, two hundred and twenty-eight rand a share. No news being posted, but there was an investor day yesterday, and uh, the sort of observers of that uh, meeting are suggesting that uh, all indications are that the split that's been planned in, in Imperial is good to go. Yeah, uh, sorry, Bruce. I have, actually haven't haven't seen that, but mm. I did see the price uh, pick up quite nicely. It looked like towards towards the end uh, uh, there was a bit of a rally in, in SA Inc. Um, and 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 I think we are seeing a, a bit of buying coming back into emerging markets, uh, which which has supported our, our market this week. Um, and uh, yeah, and, yeah, no, you know, it's, it's Imperial been great. Out today. I mean, and everywhere except Steinoff. I mean, from being this time last year the sixth biggest company on the JSE to. I don't want to say 7 billion rand is nothing, but compared to 312 billion at its peak, down to 7 billion rand, um, it is worth virtually nothing. Everyone who's ever been involved in it is suing it, from Christo Visa to the Techie Town founders and, uh, and all of that. And it's just a shambles of epic proportions, isn't it? Yeah, Bruce, it just seems like the news, uh, it, it just gets worse. And, and you know, I, I think... 
at the moment, there's very little concrete detail um, that we can rely on. I mean, we seem to get news and drips and drabs. Um, next week uh, is, is a very important week for Steinhoff. Um, that's when they'll be uh, presenting their restructuring plan to, to the UK-based lenders. Um, and, and I think, we'll, you know, that'll be a you know a key a key meeting to to watch and 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 i think you know that'll be very important to the future of steinoff um yeah but i mean right now uh, very very little to um yeah, to be comfortable about. No, not much at all. I mean, the, the numbers yesterday saying that the, the 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 fraud is bigger than the six billion rand that was originally thought, and no numbers were given there. But still, the market's now practically written off Steinoff, and today was a good day. We saw gains for Mr. Price and Clicks and the Fushini Group and Barlow World and Imperial and Shoprite and the banks and Gold Shares and Resources Shares. Yeah, this, is a, this, is, this is a good place to be. The only, and I was about to use a dreadful uh, analogy, but um, the only downside, let's be polite about it, is the oil price and the weakness in the currency. Forecast today of 70 cents a litre petrol increase next month, which kind of ruins my happy mojo for the weekend and possibly for the second half of this year because it takes interest rate cuts out of the, out of the works and it does all sorts of bad things. Yeah, look, I, I think, um, you know, we, we've got to take the good and the bad. And I think we, we have seen quite a nice rally in the resource sector. Um, you know, the fact that we, we're likely to get an increase uh, um, in, in, in petrol prices over the next week or so um, must be looked at, at in context of, of an economy that, that is looking much better. Um, I think, um, you, you know, we, we've seen forecasts from some of the largest banks uh, revising their forecasts up for South African GDP growth. Um, and, 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 and confidence is, is certainly improving on the ground. Um, you know, so, so I think the, the, sh- the short term, uh, um, uh, you know, the short term impact of the petrol price has to, uh, you know, you have to look at the positives as well. Uh, hopefully We're it's in a, a much better place. Hopefully it's a, yes, 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 yes. I, I get all of that. But I also <laughs> want lower petrol prices. I want everything. I want cake oh. and I want to eat it. There's no point in having cake if you can't eat it. And Bryson, <laughs> thank you very much. Portfolio manager at Sunlum Private Banks. The Money Show is brought to you by Old Mutual, a licensed financial services provider. Today's the day. Get great financial advice. Do great things. Well, coming up on the next Money Show, I'm featuring a brand new book. It's entitled In Math We Trust. It's all about cryptocurrencies with the technology expert Simon Dingle. He's written this particular book. I'm looking forward to catching up with him. Plus, SABC 3's Espresso presenter, Katlejo Mabwe, joins us in studio. Make Money Monday's special edition guest. You won't meet a nicer guy than Katlejo. I'm looking forward to catching up with him on Make Money Mondays. Cake Talk. The Money Show. Call Bruce on 021-446-0567. Welcome to The Money Show on this Friday evening. It's lovely to have you with us. We're going to play the Brutal Biz quiz in just a bit. But first, let's bring you some of the best bits that we have had on The Money Show this week. And the idea here with the best bits is to encourage you to go and uh, download our podcast, subscribe to our podcast. You can do it via our website. You can do it via wherever you get your favorite podcast from. And then you listen to interviews and you I must share that with my friends. And you can. And my family, you should share. Sharing is good. Sharing is caring.
So let's tempt your taste buds, shall we? Um, Business Day's got a brand new editor. Um, Peter Bruce was there for a long time, and uh, then he stepped back from from that particular job. Uh, And there have been a couple of editors in between. And now that Tim Cohen has decided to uh, retire, uh, Lucanio Mnanda, who used to be the economics editor at Business Day 15 years ago, but went to spread his wings internationally, and he went to work for Bloomberg, most recently in Edinburgh. He's returned home to be the Business Day editor. He didn't intend three months ago to do the job, but hey, he was offered it and he's accepted it. This is Lucano Mnanda, the new editor of Business Day. We had discussions, we had discussions and obviously there were other people involved and I, and I left. I went back to Edinburgh and I actually went to London for work and, and, and I wasn't really sure what would happen. Then. But then I did get a call from Andrew from Andrew Gill while I was walking in London on a, on a, on a separate trip for, with Bloomberg and I was walking in the street and I got this phone call and I almost got hit by a bus. <laughs> <laughs> that were, that, uh, maybe that was the universe trying to tell you something, Lucano. <laughs> but but it's, a, it's a long way from New Brighton. I mean, it's a long way from your roots. I mean, you had the privilege of uh, going to the Rhodes University Journalism Department under then the late head Gavin Stewart. And, I mean, your life changed on the day Gavin Stewart introduced you to Donald Woods when you were a youngster. I mean, that must have been an extraordinary meeting. No, can you imagine? Like, the things I don't think he even told me that he was going to be there, if I remember correctly. I just remember just walking in and seeing, seeing one guy, seeing three people, and this man and his wife, and then I realized who it was. And, I mean, it's hard to really, <laughs> really put into words what I felt at that moment. But but he was very charming and very like uh, you know very very unpretentious and we actually I remember we had a bit, bit of a discussion about uh, about the movie Cry Freedom and and I think to put me at ease he was like yeah he was very self-deprecating as well and he, and he, and he also thought like uh, the movie maybe too much about him really it should have been really about Steve Biko himself <laughs> more yeah it was one of the most yeah, profound experiences of my life really and. A few years later, actually, I bumped into him once. Once I started working at Business Day, somewhere in the logo, I think. I mean, in a joking kind of way, he, as, as, as I introduced and reintroduced myself, I discovered actually he did remember me. As he left, he did shake my hand and said, "One day you'll be the editor." But I, I didn't think he was being serious, and I didn't think it would ever happen. <laughs> Donald Woods could see the future. Uh, Lucanio Mnanda, the new editor of Business Day. Julius Malema being quoted today as saying that the EFF plans to expropriate the land underneath your house. And that'll leave you with the house and the bond that you have on that house. And it's a seemingly magical solution to the land question, except as as I understand it, EFF policy is that he also wants to nationalize the banks. So he's going to nationalize the very banks that hold the debt that was attached to the house that you simply will refuse to pay, I assume, um, and rather hand the keys to the bank and give it masses of properties in possession. I see a small problem. It's not the world's smartest solution yet to the land crisis, which is why it's, uh, thank goodness, that we have Professor Ruth Hall, the researcher at PLAS, the uh, Institute for Poverty, Land and Agrarian Studies at the University of the Western Cape, who came in on Tuesday night and took us through the science of land reform. My view is that um, the ruling party has never actually taken the land question very seriously. That's a huge statement to make. It's a huge statement to make, but I'm willing to make it. Uh, It's never taken the land issue seriously. The ANC fought uh, the liberation struggle largely in exile and also in alliance with uh, urban movements. And there hasn't been a strong rural movement. 
Where's the rural movement? Where's the push from below of people demanding the land? My view is that um, there is the potential to get this right. Every, for, every, for every criticism that anyone can lay against land reform, uh, it's been too slow, uh, the wrong people have got the land, it's been, uh, there's been elite capture, there hasn't been enough support for farmers when they got the land, uh, we haven't really transformed the rural areas, etc. All of these are solvable problems. Mm. These are problems that can be solved. They can be solved, and there are clear proposals for how they can be solved. And to be specific, I would like to mention that the Mutlante panel, the high-level panel appointed by Parliament last year, which reported in November 2017, actually laid out a very comprehensive analysis of what are the problems and what should be done. And what it clearly said is that the Constitution is not the problem. The problems have been a failure of political leadership, a failure to allocate funds, a failure of institutions, corruption and mismanagement. Mm-hmm. So these are all problems that can be solved. And my view is that they, they can and must be solved. And perhaps, perhaps... Now that we're at this moment where we're debating the Constitution, people are energized around the land issue, perhaps we can use this moment to uh, put forward a new vision of what land reform could be. Professor Ruth Hall, it was a really great discussion. If you missed that, you really need to hear it. She's got a finger on every button on land. When you see a product on the shelf, it's easy to not consider how it got there. It's easy to dismiss the sweat and the tears and the effort and the risk that it took to get that product there. Well, a guy called Bernard Bultemeyer was in studio on Wednesday night, the founder of Jekyll and Hyde, luxury leather goods. He was this week's shapeshifter, and he shared some of the tough lessons that he has learned trying to build a local brand. You know, it's just um, we, we, every now and then we get a bad batch of leather. Yeah. Yeah. And that can happen. You know, um, you know, it's a natural product. We make bags. Things go wrong. We've had situations where guys have used linings and the linings have, the linings haven't been um, up to scratch. The linings have constantly torn. You know, uh, we've just had, like, for example, now there was a fire in the one, um, one uh, factory and, yeah, a couple of, thousand rands worth of leather was burnt and it's it's done you're the brand owners and you've got to i mean especially if you get a substandard product being delivered to you you get a shipment you go those aren't what we are prepared to sell and you've got to write off stock and you've got to get rid of stuff and you can't be dumping that stuff on the second hand market or giving handing it out of traffic lights because that undermines the brand totally totally yeah yeah. So your your brand, when you look at developing a brand like this, a luxury brand, mm. you say so you don't give away the stuff for nothing, and you don't. Mm. Um, you, <laughs> it is pricey, but that's yeah. fine. Quality comes yeah. at a price. Um, who defines the brand ethos? Do you get consultants in? Do you do it yourself? Is it purely based on your own instinct? A lot of it was based on instinct. I have used a lot of, um, quite a few agencies. You know, I've also got a, I've got one or two mentors. All right, um, a gentleman by the name of Yossi Schwartz. Um, he was the um, CEO for YNR. Um, yes, for, yes, yes, we yes, Yossi, we've met him. Yes, yes. So he's been very much a mentor to me for sure, fifteen years, and um, yeah. So a lot of these kind of guys. I've, I've, I've befriended over the time and um, I take their advice very literal. 
I wonder how Yossi's uh, whiskey import business is going. That's what he was doing the last time we spoke to him. Uh, that is uh, Bernard Bultemeyer, who is the founder and the boss at Jekyll and Hyde Luxury Leather Goods. Last one. Let's finish with a comedian because the legendary stand-up comedian, Barry Hilton, I think he was sitting down, but he was our Make Money Monday special edition guest. He shared his biggest mistake and the biggest lesson he's ever learned with money. When I first got divorced, because um, I, then money started pouring into my account, because I, before it was using with my, my my other wife, if you will, my ex-wife, she was controlling it, but it was going out in the major other places. All of a sudden, I just looked, hold on, I've got all this money in my account. So then I bought a, a new boat, and I bought a new car, then I changed the car, and then, then I, luckily enough, I met Sandy, and she said, hey, you're spending more, you're spending more than you're actually making. And I said, really, I am? So once again, I say, you can't do everything yourself. So if you're not excellent at money or whatever, get somebody that you trust to help you. Great advice. There we go. Barry Hilton. Uh, you thought he was just a funny guy who did Savannah adverts and lots of other things, too, of course. Uh, but, yeah, Barry Hilton joined us as Make Money Monday Special Edition guest. All of those interviews available as part of our podcast, plus the show, in case you've missed part of it and you want to have another listen, and every other show that we do here on 702 and Cape Talk. In a moment, the Brutal Biz Quiz. The Money Show. The Biz Quiz. Bragging rights for an entire week. Come and play the Brutal Biz Quiz. It's so much fun. 021-446-0567-011-883-0702. Give us a call right now if you want to play the Brutal Biz Quiz. So Warren Buffett, we know that he has McDonald's for breakfast every morning. He drinks five cans of Coca-Cola every single day. I would like to know which company is the largest holding of Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. What is his biggest investment in Berkshire Hathaway? O double one eight eight three zero seven zero two zero two one four four six zero five six seven. The Money Show. The Biz Quiz. Time for a quick brutal biz quiz. Jenny, you'd like to play the biz quiz this evening, which is Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway's biggest investment. Apple, I think. Apple, you think? Apple, you're right. The first investment in Apple was in 2016. A company owns 250 million Apple shares. Who is Lucanio Nyanda? Sorry, who is what? Lucanio Lucanio Nyanda. Who is he? What's his job? Mm, Pass. Oh, Jenny. (laughs) You're not paying attention, Jenny. Bad Jenny. Uh, You're not Jenny from the block. Uh, Carol. Yes, um, hello, Bruce. Is he the new editor of the Business Day? He is. Lukanyo is the new editor of Business Day, and he chatted to us on Monday. Which Russian city was formerly known, is formerly known, as Leningrad? Oh, my word, you got me. <gasps> Geography's no, not a strong point this evening. Thank you, Carol. Um, yes, yeah, so which, uh, which uh, Russian city, formerly known as Leningrad, it's now what? Uh, 1st of September 1914, the name changed from this name to Petrograd and then to Leningrad. And now it's back to the original name. And Vladimir Putin was born there. And this year, Vladimir Putin was sworn in for the fourth time as Russia's president. Hmm. Let's see if Janet knows Russia. Uh, it's it St. Petersburg. It is St. Petersburg. No wonder people are confused by this because it keeps changing its name. Uh, which local comedian is known as The Cousin? Janet? Oh, 
Barry Hilton. Barry Hilton is absolutely right. Our Make Money Monday special edition guest. Now, you sound like an erudite and uh, well-read person. So which mm-hmm. phrase derived from an 1886 novella is used to refer to a person that alternately displays two different sides of their character? It's a kind of what kind of personality with, would, would you have if you had two sides to that same personality? You'd be absolutely right. Well, exactly right. Janet, well done to you. Uh, you are the Wiz of the Biz Quiz, and you get bragging rights for the whole week. Bernard Bultemeyer, the chief executive, the founder of the uh, bag manufacturer, Jekyll and Hyde, in studio with us this week. Well done, Janet. You're the Wiz of the Biz Quiz.